What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Woke Pastor Podcast. I'm Taylor. And I'm Matt. We want to thank you guys for tuning in today. It's actually a very special day for us here at the Woke Pastor Podcast. Yes, it is. This is our very first podcast ever. First one we've ever put up for you guys. Uh, and So special thanks to you for tuning in. But before we get started into today's questions, uh, do you want to turn it over to Matt so he can let you guys know how to stay connected with us? All right, guys. So um, as far as our social media information goes, you can find our Facebook page. Uh, if you just search Woke Pastors on Facebook, you should be able to find the page. Like us there. Um, let us know your thoughts on our blog posts and our podcasts, things like that. And we'll try and keep that up to date with news about what's to come. Uh, you can also find uh, us on Twitter and Instagram. Our handles are at Woke Pastors on both of those platforms. We also have a website, WokePastors.com, which is the main source to get uh, blog content, podcast material, things like that, especially until we are able to get our podcast published to iTunes and things like that. That is definitely in the works. And then also, if uh, our awesome Woke Pastors logo, shout out to Michaela Durantz from Lindsey Wilson College for um, designing that for us. She did an awesome job. If that logo is something that... Uh, you think it's pretty pretty dope, it's something that's jiving with you, and you'd like some Woke Pastor swag of your own, head on over to etsy.com forward slash shop forward slash Woke Pastors, and you can pick up some uh, for your very own. Taylor's actually rocking the Woke Pastors coffee mug today and the Absolutely. Woke Pastors t-shirt, so I mean, he's... Represent. Yes, yes. Also, the coffee mug's great to hold uh, the holy water that, that gets us through the day. The holy water. The holy water coffee. It's, <laughs> it's the blessed liquid. <laughs> Uh, yes. the, the absolute blessed liquid. The third sacrament. Yes, absolutely. Yes, the third sacrament. Absolutely. It is definitely blessed and ordained by God. I'm Amen. convinced. Amen. All right, so without further ado, uh, our fir- first podcast that we want to get started off with is we know that young pastors is not something that a lot of people are probably used to. Mm-hmm. Uh, something that's not real prominent outside of the United Methodist Church. And even within the UM Church, it's pretty, um, I guess, centralized in more rural settings, more yeah, smaller definitely. Uh, kind of church denominations things. And so uh, to get started, to get rolling, we wanted to address some of the questions that you guys gave us on a survey that Matt actually did through his Facebook page. Yeah, and uh, for those of you that don't know, Taylor and I are both pretty young pastors. Uh, Taylor, how old are you? How long have you been pastoring? I'm 21, and I'm running on my... I'm, I'm about to reach my first full year okay. of pastoring. Awesome. And you, where, where are you pastoring at? I am at Maribone and Grider United Methodist Church. It's in Cumberland County, Kentucky, so I'm right on the Tennessee and Kentucky line, right there in central Kentucky, in two more rural kind of denominations. Awesome. Congregations. Um, I myself am in my third year of pastoring. I actually pastored for two years at the congregations that Taylor's at now, Maribone and Grider. And I'm a little over halfway through my first year at Paint Lick United Methodist Church in Paint Lick, Kentucky. Um, I like to call it Paint Lit instead of Paint Lick lit. because it is lit around here. It's a <laughs> great place to be. Um, I'm loving these people, loving this community. 
Um, and I got to tell you, I know a lot of people look down on small communities and small churches and think there's not a lot going on. But let me tell you, God is God is moving. God is at work. And, uh, you know, so to, to anybody who's pastoring a small church or who's part of a small church who's listening today, just know that you are just as important a part of the body of Christ as anybody else. Absolutely. Um, and a, a lot of times you know, maybe a more effective part of the body than, you know, larger churches because, you know, there's not as much drama, I don't think, in small churches for sure. Absolutely. Um, So, you know, a lot of the pastors I know who um, are pastors of large churches, you know, to some degree it's like, oh, man, I hope I'm there one day. But then when I hear them talk about a lot of the the things that they're having to to deal with and go through in their congregations, I'm like, yeah, you know, maybe the 50 to 100 size churches, you know, where I'd like to stay. <laughs> There's just something about that family dynamic that you don't get at right, large right. denominations. Or I, sh- I shouldn't say you don't get. You have to be much more intentional about creating those environments in larger churches where it just kind of happens in the smaller membership church. Right. I mean, when you've got 30, 40, 50 members, it's it's just almost impossible to not be sort of a, a family. And, you know, with all the churches I've served so far, which, will, you know, is three congregations at this point, it's felt like um, a family atmosphere. And I felt like part of their family. I felt like they were part of my family. Um, and I'm really thankful for that. And, um, you know, that's probably something we will definitely get into in a later podcast, talking about those family dynamics and the benefits oh, yeah. of that. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, so we're, we're both young pastors. We're both, um, in pretty rural congregations. Um, and so a lot of people, um, that, that's just a new concept for them. People are kind of stunned by, um, young pastors and kind of, um, especially outside of the United Methodist Church, like Taylor was saying it, mm-hmm. people don't necessarily know how to take us because people typically view pastors as like older, wiser, um, you know, just sort of seasoned individuals, and we're we're not. I mean, I, I guess maybe we're wise. I guess you um, can sometimes say that about I don't some know. I, I hope I hope some things I say are wise. <laughs> <laughs> um, but definitely, definitely not the age of most pastors. We're definitely nowhere near the median age of pastors in the United States. Um, and so we wanted to just sort of reach out to some of the folks we know and deal with. Some of the questions they had, just kind of wondering about what it's like being a young pastor, what those dynamics are like. And uh, so this podcast and also the next one, we're going to be dealing with those questions and also questions we think you all might have but didn't necessarily get. And um, But yeah, you know, like, like I was saying, people just don't really know how to take uh, young pastors. When I first started out in Cumberland County, where Taylor's at now, um, I, I still remember I was out in town one day and I was in a restaurant and I was just talking to somebody, and they were like, you know, I've never seen you before. What brings you here? And I'm like, oh, you know, I'm I'm pastoring down the street at Maribone and Grider Methodist. And they were like, oh, so you're like a youth pastor? And I was like, no. And they were like, oh, okay, so you're like an associate pastor? I'm like, no. I'm like, I'm the pastor. And they were like, "Is so it's just you? And I was like, yeah. And they were just kind of like, so huh, ridiculous. huh. So that, dangerous. Yeah, that was, that was the end of the conversation. You know, they, they were just so stunned by the fact that this, I guess at the time I was probably 18 or 19 year old, was um, pastoring a church. They just could not um, conceive of that. And, the, you know, I, I don't blame them for that. You know, it's not uh, something that's very common. And also in, in the two churches that Matt was talking about, I can, I can speak to that a little bit since I'm there now. Um, we are probably younger than like 85% of the congregation 
Mm, yeah. I, w- I would say at least. Like in one of the churches, there's a, a large number of kids for the most part. But outside of that, as far as people that are out of school, at least they're undergrads, we're the youngest from then. They're all older, established members of the community. And so I could see where that's kind of strange, you know. Yeah, and that that was definitely true um, in the churches in Cumberland County. It's not as true here in Paint Lick. We've got um, a young, more diverse congregation when it comes to um, sort of the ages of mm-hmm. members of the congregation. We're blessed with a lot of young families um, in our in our congregation, so that's great. But but still, you know, for the most part, um, we're pretty much young to everybody. We're young to our parishioners. We're young to um, our fellow pastors and ministers across yeah. the denomination and even in other denominations across, the, across the global church. And so, um, yeah, things are, things are just different for us. And, uh, you know, speaking of that age discrepancy, one of the questions that we got was uh, from a friend of mine named Lexis. She was asking about elders in the church taking us seriously. Now, since we're United Methodist, I feel like we should clarify that by elders, we don't mean ordained elders, but we mean um, just sort of the older people in the church and whether uh, they take us seriously, um, they respect us, things like that. Because obviously, we're, we're not as old as them. We've not been mm-hmm. through the things they've been through. Uh, most of them have been Christians far longer than we've even been alive. Yeah. And some of them have been members of our particular churches longer than we've been alive. Yeah. And so, um, you know, how, what, what are some of the dynamics that are there? So Taylor, do you want to, do you want to start yeah. with that? Give yeah. us some. I think, um, I think the hardest thing for me to kind of, to, to realize is that there are, there are Christians in my congregations that are, that, that like Matt have said, have been Christians as long as I've been alive. But because of, of my role as pastor, there's a spiritual authority that I have, mm-hmm. um, which is really hard to step into because, you know, it, it doesn't feel like I haven't served my time yet kind of thing yeah. is what it feels like. Um, but the, the more that I've interacted with these people and the more I've got to know them, I don't think they necessarily feel that way about me. And so I, I want to kind of open up with saying that to take a student pastor as young as Matt and I, that's really a call. To yeah. a congregation. That's right. something that it, it takes a very special congregation to do that, and not everyone can. Uh, so, not every congregation should feel like they have to, but the churches that we've been at so far have done really well with it. And so, I think they actually have given me more authority than I even realized that I could take because <laughs> of my youth. And so, I think that's a hang up that we, we kind of, it's, it's like a myth that we fall into that we can't lead. Because we're not the oldest person in the room, or we don't have enough white hairs to be able to lead. Yeah, like that was something that a lot of people prepared me for when I was going in, when I was talking to other pastors and things. You know, they sort of prepared me to not be taken as seriously and to um, just kind of watch my step when it came to um, sort of the older generations, which for us, the older generation, like we said, is most people, Mm -hmm. Um, even the younger families in our churches. Um, the parents, anyway, are still older than us yeah. um, and further along in life than us. Um, but in these churches, anyway, we've been we've been blessed with great um, appointments where they look at young pastors, uh, student pastors, as part of their ministry and uh, sort of training them and teaching them. And so with that, because they're somewhat accustomed to it, I think they do have a lot more respect for us. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and honestly, that's like Taylor talked about being taken aback by that. I kind of was too. I, you know, one one moment I remember very clearly um, being in some sort of meeting with uh, the congregation at Marabone where Taylor's at now. And uh, we were trying to make some type of decision. And I, I turned to a member of the church and I said, well, what do you think we should do about that? And they said, well, you're the pastor. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, I guess I am. Um, hmm. Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, because I just would I, I wasn't used to that kind of authority, that kind of weight and people looking to me um, in that way. And that was sort of the first moment where I was like, okay, I've got to, um, I've got to, step into this role, I've got to lead these people and provide some direction there. And they're going to, you know, accept that to some degree. And so that was awesome. It, you know, we, we find it so surprising. Um, but I don't really think that we should because, you know, there's the passage in, is it First Timothy? Where, First uh, Timothy 4.12, right? Yeah. Where don't let anyone look down on you because of your youth. But Paul actually encourages Timmy to be, Timothy to be an example mm-hmm. uh, to other people. And so right. looking back, I realize like God has addressed this, and it shouldn't surprise me, but I think it's just another insecurity um, that I've allowed to kind of speak louder than God speaks in my life sometimes. Yeah. And what I've realized is that, you know, He really does prepare the way for us to go into these ministries that He's called us to. And so, you know, sometimes His Word is actually true. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it's like, well, mind-blowing, right? The Word of God <laughs> is actually real, and it carries authority. Um, but, yeah, you know, and so, like, He... As younger people, we shouldn't be so afraid to step into those authority positions and worry about offending people who are older. Because I think there's the younger generations have something to give the church. And the yeah. church needs to start listening to that. And I think the elder elderly <clears throat> people in the congregations realize that. Yeah, absolutely. And that, and that also kind of, this question goes hand in hand with sort of a, a, sort of a pushback question we got from a member of, uh, my current congregation in Paint Lake, who wanted to know how young pastors uh, feel towards elders in their church. So sort of not just how elders feel towards us, but how we feel towards um, elderly people or just older people in the church. And I think that relationship and the reason we, you know, we've been able to um, um, gain, earn their respect and um, just uh, be be able to step into those positions of authority well is because of a mutual respect. Absolutely. You know, I think that's absolutely key. You know, you can't go in um, as a pastor, really at any age, at any point in your career, you mm-hmm. can't just go in all gung-ho and expect everyone to listen to everything you say and everyone to be behind <laughs> everything. It's a death sentence. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you can't just go in guns blazing. That's... Um, I, I feel like that should be obvious. It's probably not, but I feel like that should be obvious that you can't go in that way. Um, but that's even more true for young pastors, I think. You know, whenever you go in, you need to go in uh, with with humility. Yes, And um, just be looking to learn as much as you're looking to teach. Mm-hmm. And um, I think if you do that, that you're going to learn a lot because um, most of these congregations that take on student pastors, they want to teach you. Yes. You know, they want to they they want to look look at you 20, 30, 40 years from now when you're pastoring another congregation, when you're ordained, you know, when you're kicking butt in ministry and they want to say, "Hey, you know, he started out here. You know, we had a hand in helping him become who he is." Yeah. And you know, there are still pastors that I, you know, I know your churches do and my church does as well. You know, they they still talk about who are 
pastors who are, who are you know really just doing awesome ministry today. Oh yeah, and they still look at them as like you know ah they were ours first. Oh yeah, you know Absolutely. and and they they can remember you know their baby steps as pastors. Absolutely, you know and you know you actually get some funny stories out of that sometimes. You know? Oh yeah, you do. Yeah. So um, we had there's a, a pastor friend of mine that um, that was at the two churches where I'm at now before me. And he uh, is pastoring a fairly large church. They're like the largest growing uh, congregation in Kentucky every year, something like that. Something He's doing some crazy cool stuff. Well, he recently had a call to go to China to be full-time missionaries. And he came back and he visited our two churches as kind of like, you know, starting off his fundraising campaign. And I had a lady in my church come up to me afterwards and she said, you know what? I wish you could have heard him when he was here. He's gotten a lot better. <laughs> and so, like, they love to take part in that growth that has happened, you know. They absolutely yeah. love it. And one thing you said, Matt, that really hit home with me is if you go in looking to learn as much as you teach, um, then you'll get that out of it. And so one of the things that, I, that I've realized is that I have to get good at asking the right questions mm-hmm. before I can give the right answers. Yeah. And so that's just, that's been a huge kind of paradigm shift for me because I've always saw the pastor as like the one who had all the knowledge, the one who knew what we were supposed to be doing, you know, like the one who was like God to our congregation. But in reality, that's not healthy church functioning right? for the pastor to be in that role. Mm-hmm. Um, and so learning how to, to ask the questions to mobilize the passions of the elderly people in our congregations and realizing that they know this community better than you ever will. Oh, absolutely. I think that's been huge in, in, in establishing that two-way trust um, with the, the older members of our congregations. Yeah, there's so much value in building and strengthening those relationships and the wisdom you gain from them about your community, ways to reach your community, and also the wisdom and knowledge about um, just ministry in general and growing as a pastor um, while you're there. It's just, it's invaluable. Um, and I, I have to say, you know, I don't know this for sure because we're still in seminary and whatnot, but I have a feeling when I look back 20 years from now as to what what shaped me most as a pastor, what formed mm-hmm. me most as a pastor, it's going to be less about seminary and less about my undergrad religion degree and, you know, all the formal schooling and training that I went through. And it's going to be more about the experience that Absolutely. I had at these small churches and the wisdom that they were able to um, give to me during my time there. Yeah, just getting your feet wet and getting into ministry. Yeah. Absolutely. But one of the things I think is so hard about being a young pastor and, and grabbing that authority is speaking to areas that you haven't necessarily experienced yet. So like every young oh, yeah. pastor our age, I, I'm married, but not every pastor is married. And I've only been married like eight <laughs> months. You know, so I can't speak to, I, I feel like I can't speak to marriages that are like, 27 years in or 30 years in and then they start experiencing troubles or something like that and like children haven't had those yet money i've barely figured out how to manage my own finances and we don't have much either exactly yeah (laughs) it's not like i'm just rolling in the dough and so how do you think we can still grab that authority and speak to areas that we haven't necessarily experienced fully yeah that's that's a difficult one and i i think the the trend in this conversation with these different things we're addressing is um, just humility. You mm-hmm. know, that's one of the biggest, the biggest things you have to have as a young pastor is you have to be humble. You have to realize 
your um, limitations, be aware of your limitations. Yeah. And um, also, you know, sort of, you know, you don't, you don't have to talk, talk down on yourself necessarily, Yeah. but make sure your people realize that you know your limitations. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Like let them know that you know that you don't know it all (laughs) basically because, because I mean, if you, if you just get up one Sunday and you decide you're going to preach on marriage and you just preach this really hardcore sermon about marriage and everything and you don't even mention at one point you know that you're not coming at this from personal experience that it can come across wrong because it's going to sound like you're you know sort of high and mighty and you're a know-it-all and you know a lot of people are going to look at it as well he doesn't even know you know he's never he's he's never he's never been there or he's not there yet or he doesn't know what it's like 30 years in absolutely Um, you know and so you've got to you've got to come at it um, again, from a place of humility, and make sure they they recognize that. Um, and then also, I think when it comes to issues like that, just stick as close to scripture yes. as possible. Absolutely, um, because you don't have a lot of anecdotal experience mm-hmm. with marriage or with children or with money management or things like that. You know, we we simply don't have the life experience that a lot of later pastors have. Yep. And so when it comes to things like that, that we don't necessarily have the life experience, don't pretend to have the life experience. Absolutely. You know, I mean, basically, when you're coming at it, just be like, you know... The, you know, I don't I don't know that much about this yet. I'm still figuring this out. I'm new to marriage. I'm new to raising kids. I'm new to managing my finances, whatnot. Yeah. But if you look at Scripture, this is what Scripture tells us about this. And here are some ways that this can apply to our lives. Absolutely. I think that's so important because for as much experience as we lack, there is that much experience through Scripture. Oh, yeah. Like there is that much authority and weight that we can pull from, from, you know, the Word of God. You know, the inspired word of God, that's something that we can stand on and claim authority even when we don't necessarily have it in our own personal stories. Yeah, and I think I think that's a whole nother podcast in, in general is looking at, um, you know, preaching in today's culture and how so much preaching is just experience-based. Yeah. And um, you're just trying to be quippy and have the good stories and the good jokes and attention getters and... Um, you know, sort of three point this and three point that, and that's all. That so all has its place, um, but a lot of preaching today doesn't doesn't stick with scripture. Um, and I, but I, I think that's good advice for preaching in general, but especially preaching on these types of topics is stick with the scriptures. Absolutely, stick with the Word of God, and just recognize that um, on on those matters when it comes to aside from the Word of God, you're really outside your your toolbox, Mm -hmm. you know, you're outside your realm of knowledge. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And so stick with what you know, which hopefully if you're a pastor is scripture. Yeah. You know, (laughs) at least you're working to know it. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but, but with that, you know, you know, Taylor, you, you talked about your marriage just briefly there. Mm -hmm. Um, so I feel like this would be, this probably be our last, uh, topic that we hit today, um, before, and then we'll come back to, um, sort of these questions again at a later time, but being a young pastor in love, you know, I've been dating my girlfriend, Carolyn for, um, pretty much as long as I've been pastoring, it's been a little over two and a half years yeah. um, for us. And you've been married for eight months. You, yeah. you got married the weekend before you were yes. supposed to start pastoring. Yeah. Got married, went on a honeymoon, got back that Saturday and started preaching that Sunday. 
Man. Um, yeah, so we went we went through the ringer with that. And then started seminary in the fall. So we just wanted to get everything that was super hard out of the way. All at, all at <laughs> one time. Just do it all at once. Yeah, all at one time. Yeah. Um, I would say the biggest thing that I've learned about marriage, uh, I actually read a story the other day for one of my classes. And um, uh, uh, unfortunately, a pastor had fallen into sexual misconduct with a, a lady from his congregation. And he was talking about the dynamic that he and his wife were having to go through with healing. And this pastor come to this realization that if he was failing at home, then he was failing his ministry. And so I think the biggest thing that I've learned is that my churches don't take precedence over my wife. Um, I, I have a call to love her as well. Uh, and, and that gets really tricky because, you know, it's overworking yourself in the church is almost praised. You know, it's like it's really hard to tell someone don't work so hard for God. Yeah. Like that's a really hard thing to say, but sometimes that's the best thing that we can tell people because if I were to neglect my marriage, then my ministry is not going to be able to flourish in the way that really it needs to and really the way that God wants to bless it because I'm not in a place, um, I'm not effectively being all that I've call, been called to be. And part of yeah. my call is to be husband. Right. You know, um, so yeah, that's that's one of the things that I that I've had to learn kind of the hard way in doing and, and not overworking, and then also fighting for my wife because she is not the typical pastor's wife, and so she doesn't love children's ministry like that's not really her thing. She has purple hair and she has a bunch of tattoos. You know, like she's not your typical pastor's wife, and so she doesn't want to step into those traditional molds because that's not the way that she was gifted. Can she play piano? She can't even play piano. Seriously? I know. Oh, man, I know. You got the wrong she, one. she totally failed the <laughs> pastor's wife. I'm teasing. Please. I'm teasing. Um, but no, she's awesome, but that's just not the ways that she was gifted. And so I think part of being a pastor is, it, and I know that this happens, you know, we, we want to say that it doesn't and we just allow people to, to live in their giftings, but there's an expectation of the pastor spouse. Yeah. Um, and when they don't fit those traditional molds, I feel like it's really been part of my call as well to fight for her to serve in the way that she's been gifted. Yeah. And to support that, which luckily the churches that we're in are super supportive of her and let her do her own thing rather than, you know, guilting her into all of these other different things. Um, but yeah, marriage makes a totally new dynamic on yeah. ministry, which and I'm sure relationships do as well. And I, I think you hit on a good stream there just with, the church in general, not even just with pastors' spouses, but um, we we have a tendency in the church to see it, see a need and then try and put someone in it without mm-hmm. taking a second to look at their gifts. Yes, and so absolutely. we sort of look at fulfilling the needs of the church backwards. What we should be doing is saying, okay, who's in our church? What gifts do we have? What are our strengths, our passions, all of that? And then with that pool of spiritual giftings and knowledge and everything, what then can come from that ministry-wise. Instead, we just get this preconceived notion in our head of the things we want to happen, and we try and shove people into it. And a lot of times it's like shoving a square peg in a round hole. It just doesn't work. Yeah, and it's going to cause a lot more hurt in your church than it is good ministry that's going to be done. Yeah, and so that's... You know, that that's a freebie for you, not even about relationships, but just <laughs> ministry in general, you know, that's, we don't that's not a wise thing to do. Right, right. That one's for free. So Matt, what's the dynamics like as far as being in a relationship? Because I, I have been married my entire pastorate. So what's what are the differences, the similarities? Yeah, so that's something that's that's interesting. I still remember when I was starting out um, at Taylor's churches, Carolyn and I um, had been on some dates, but we hadn't actually 
started dating. We didn't start like officially dating. You know, I'm using like all of our crazy millennial terminology, <laughs> um, but we didn't. We didn't. weren't actually like in an official relationship until like August. Whereas I started pastoring the end of June of that year. And so there was a period in between there where, you know, peop- where I basically just told people I was single because I, di- I didn't feel like I needed to have a conversation with everyone I ran into, you know, about the complexities of my relationship. <laughs> and so, you know, people just thought I was single until we were actually dating. And then, you know, that I obviously let them know about that. Mm-hmm. And so in that, that time before we were officially dating, I, I visited a lady in the hospital and and she was like, you know, I tell you what, I, I'm just trying to get my granddaughter to to come to church. I keep telling her she's just gonna come, and uh, uh, she she's just gonna hear you preach, and that's all she wrote. You know, y'all be on your way. And and you know, I think I think she actually had a boyfriend at the time too. But oh, the grandmother no. was just like, nope, you're gonna date my pastor. Um, but, you know, preaching is such a great dating tool. Oh know? yeah, just, oh yeah. If, if they find out you preach, women just flock to you. Right, right. I mean, that's what I found. You know, they just <laughs> man, they they hear good preaching, and you know, exactly. they're just all they're all over you. Know? <laughs> I don't I don't know. She, I guess, it's just a different time. Maybe when has to be. Maybe when she was has younger, that was a thing that pastor <laughs> pastors were the rock stars of the of the early days. But uh, back in the good old um, days, I, I don't think that's the case anymore. I've not really experienced no. that. <laughs> I ha- pastoring has been like a people repellent. Yeah. for me, for the most part, they find out I'm a pastor and they go the other way. Yeah, they're like, the most, they're most like, part. okay, I'm not going to cuss anymore. I'm not. <laughs> Not not gonna hang out with you. I'm not really gonna talk to you because I don't have anything to say that I want you to know. And, yep. You know. Yeah. Yeah. People people typically run away from pastors, not flock to yeah. them, especially in that way. But you know that that was just it, it's it's a just kind of a funny thing. You know, most while while again most people th- think of pastors as older, people also think of pastors typically as people who are married. Mm-hmm. You know, unless you're Catholic. Exactly. Um, yeah. In which case, you you don't know what that looks like. Yeah. Um, but you have to deal with that. Yeah. But having a single pastor or a pastor who's just in a dating relationship, um, or even a pastor who's engaged, um, is is just a totally different dynamic and is new for a lot of people. And so, um, and and I mean, even being newly married like Taylor was is unique. Yeah. Um, but it, but it's a totally different dynamic when you're dating someone. And some of the things we've run into with that. And, uh, um, and the ways I've tried to get around is just like Taylor was talking about the expectations that are put on pastors' wives. Um, because people aren't really that experienced with pastors' girlfriends, they yeah. tend to just sort of move the expectations of the pastor's wife onto the pastor's girlfriend. Ah. Because they don't really know what she's supposed to be. And so I think at some, some level they expect the same things. Yeah. And so I've, I've had to be very intentional every step of our relationship and my ministry to be like, okay, look, you know, she's not my wife. Yeah. And so whenever people were like, why isn't Carolyn here this weekend? I'm like, well, because she doesn't live in this community and because, mm-hmm. you know, she's doing other things. You know, she's somewhere else. This isn't, this isn't where she's at. You know, this isn't her place right now. Yeah. And, you know, even, even when we're married, she may be off doing other things sometimes because, you know, she's going to have a ministry of her own and be doing her own thing. So she's not always going to be at church then yeah. and also isn't going to be involved in every church event. Yeah. And uh, they they can't expect her to. But, you know, I've, I've just had to be very uh, patient with them because and recognize that it's just something they're not used to. 
Yeah. And something that's a a new, just a new thing for most of them. Mm -hmm. Um, And so just be really patient about it, but also be very firm and not letting them uh, control my relationship and not letting them try to place expectations on Carolyn that um, really shouldn't even be on a pastor's wife, let alone a pastor's girlfriend. Absolutely. And dating's hard on its own. And then you throw pastoring into the mix, and I just can't imagine how much harder it gets. Because getting through dating and engagement and trying to to maintain Christian purity by itself is horrible. It's absolutely terrible. It's one of the worst (laughs) things that I've tried to do. Like, it was so worth it, but it's so hard. So I can't imagine trying to pastor and balance those (coughs) expectations as well. And so I guess if there was one thing that you wanted people to know about being a younger pastor in a dating relationship, what would it be? Um, I think transparency is big mm. because, um, you know, that's, that's something I ran into. I'm, I'm going to tell you guys about something that, um, you, you know, those of you who are out there who are pastors, who've been pastoring for a while, you're going to think I'm an idiot when I tell you what I'm about to tell you. Um, but this is just something that we work through is Ka- Carolyn lives about two hours away. She lives, um, up in Covington yeah. and is going to school and in ministry up there. And we don't have any friends in this area. And so whenever she would come and visit on weekends for a while, um, she would actually stay in the parsonage. Yeah. And, you know, we, we stayed in separate rooms, you know, we kept, we kept everything kosher, you know, cause we're, you know, we're working on, like you said, staying pure until marriage and all that. Yeah. Um, and most of our congregation didn't have a problem with it, but eventually some people started expressing concerns about that. And um, I talked, you know, I talked to my district superintendent about it and he was like, Matt, you just can't do that. Yeah. You know, he was like, it's not that I don't trust you. It's not a stab at, you know, at you or at her, but it opens, it opens up a lot of ambiguity. Yeah. And, um, you know, it just, just transparency is so important because, um, you know, people can't see what's going on. They don't know what's going on. And so they're going to fill in the blanks themselves. Yeah. Um, and so I think being transparent, being open and being honest, um, is so important. And so the learning experience from that is I got, is, you know, I sat down with my, uh, pastor parish relations committee. We talked about it. You know, I sort of reassured them that like nothing's been going on. That's like not okay. Um, but also I realized that, you know, this probably isn't the wisest thing for us to be doing. Mm-hmm. And the, the awesome thing that came about from that is my church really stepped up is that they were like, you know, we love Carolyn and we love having her here. And, um, you know, so if she can't stay with you, you know, she's going to stay with us. That's awesome. And so several of them have opened up their homes, um, or their extra homes. You know, some of them have, um, sort of like vacation style houses nearby. And yeah. so, um, they've just been great in opening that up and it's opened up a new opportunity for her to get to know them and get to know the community. Yeah. Um, and things like that. So God, God, God is good and God worked through that situation really well. Um, but yeah, just be, just be transparent about your relationship, um, in ways that are appropriate. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Um, but just don't, don't leave people thinking that don't, don't leave room for ambiguity. Don't leave room for skepticism. You know, as pastors, we, we have to stay above reproach. Yeah. And that's not hmm. something that's easy to do or is easy to get used to. And really, we're this is one of the few professions where you have to worry about that. Yeah. Um, you know, most most professions, you can just, you know, your work life and your home life and things like that, you know, it's totally separate. Um, but as a pastor, whether we like it or not, and we can talk about the theology of it and the implications of it another time. 
Um, but it, but at the end of the day, it really does matter what people see and what people think mm-hmm. about the way we live, um, because that has a direct impact on what we teach and what we preach and how we lead our congregations. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, hey, as we wrap this up, I want to lead you guys through a really quick prayer. God, you're good, and we know that you are good, and we just ask that you will open our hearts and our minds to be molded by you. Um, Help us to go from this moment as better servants of you. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Thanks for that, Taylor. Um, And uh, so we're going to give you one last plug for our social media um, accounts, and we're going to get out of here. Like I said, like us on Facebook. Search Woke Pastors for our Facebook page. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Woke Pastors. Um, Check out our website, WokePastors.com. And if you're in the market for some Woke Pastor swag, go to Etsy.com forward slash shop forward slash Woke Pastors. That is the place to go. Um, So thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in today. Um, If you have any questions or suggestions or anything that you'd like to hear us talk about here on the Woke Pastors podcast, send that in at any time. Reply to us on any of our social media accounts. We definitely want to hear from you and want to hear what you think. You know, feel free to talk back. Um, about the topics we hit on today. Um, but with that, I think we're, we're going to sign off. This has been our first podcast. It's been a joy being here with you guys. We thank you again for tuning in. Uh, for now, stay woke. Stay awakened, everyone. <laughs>